Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Grab a seat. I will sweep you off your feet. We move, we groove, you got mail. Ease your legs, rest a while. All you gotta do is smile. We're swell, can't you tell you got mail? When the show begins, you better hold on real tight. Or before you know it, you'll be high as a kite. Take a break, settle down. We're the only show in town. SRO, don't you know you got mail? Give it up, don't think twice, we're a hurricane on ice. What the hell, give a yell, ring your bell, show and tell. Mademoiselle, give a smell, you got Mel. You've got Mel. Oh, that's fabulous. Did you write that? Um, I must admit that I did. That's wonderful. I love it. And I, I love the rhymes. Irving Berlin would have enjoyed your rhymes. <laughs> Irving Berlin. And so, so you've just uh, published a new book on Irving Berlin. But before we, yeah, before we get there, let's talk about Nancy Chernin. Who are you, dear? Start at the beginning, you know, like when you were born and so on. You can talk about your parents. It's your show. I just ask questions. Oh, that sounds great. Well, you know, I grew up in the Bronx, in New York City, in the Bronx. And, um, you know, both my sets of grandparents are uh, immigrants, Jewish immigrants. Um, we actually lived in a two-family house with my uh, mother's parents. And uh, my mother was a teacher. My mother and my father just loved learning. When they got married in the middle of the depression, they didn't have any money. The first thing they bought was a book. It happened to have been the book called Tomorrow Will Be Better. And my mother still has it at her bedside. Tomorrow will be better. But books, I grew up with books. I mean, I grew up with books from floor to ceiling. We had, I later learned that uh, the book, the room we called the library was supposed to have been the dining room, but my mother didn't like to cook. So she just, they just filled the whole room with books from Florida ceiling. My dad filled bookshelves. And I always dreamed since I was a little girl that I would, I would answer the books. You know, the, the books were like letters to me and I wanted to talk back. And I just loved how in books, it crosses time, it crosses space. You have conversations with people you never met who lived years before you were born. Um, the power of the word. And when I was little, I would make up my own little books, carry around my notebook. I did my own doodles. 
actually one of my very first books. I don't know that it will ever be published. Um, it was about a doodle bug. And every page says from the desk of Douglas Chernin because I swiped all the paper from my father's desk. So, <laughs> and I thought, no one would notice even though every page said from the desk of Douglas Chernin, but okay. So, um, and then I also grew up just loving my local librarians because even though we had all these books in the house, I would still make that long walk to the public library and the librarian would inevitably say, Nancy, I have something for you. I know that you'll love. And it was something that wasn't in my house, that had never occurred. Usually it was fantasy because my mother really liked true stories. So the libraries would feed me all the fantasy books that I love. I actually love every type of book. Okay, so but you know, you have to pick some. So you write uh, mostly picture books these days. I do, I do. I have so, so yeah, so like, uh, like me, you are stuck in a very specific age. Like for me, it's five-year-old. How old are you? Where is your, your little Nancy? Well, you know, I have to say though, it does vary because I have been able to read these picture books. Um, a couple of them really go for the younger kindergartner, I mean, kinder, kinder to two. I, um, and like my very first book was won an award for kinder through two, but a lot of them also are for three to five. And now I have a few that deal with heavier subjects that have been more eight to 12. And I get invited to present at junior high schools, middle schools, as we call them, and high schools as well. I, I so, even seniors, I think picture books are for all ages. I was just gonna say that, uh, but what age are you stuck at? I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more fluid than that, but um, I, I, you know, a three, third to fifth is a real sweet spot for me because the kids already know how to read and we can tell a little bit more complicated stories. But I also, I have to tell you, I mean, I can feel myself enjoying being that pre-K to, to second grade when I'm reading Manji Moves a Mountain or William Hoy and we're doing signs or we're doing repetitive refrains and we're doing hold, aim, swing like Manji does. And Nancy, so it's perfectly fine being stuck in second grade. I mean, you know, you're, you're way ahead of me here. I'm stuck in kindergarten forever. <laughs> I think that, yeah. I think that's terrific. Um, so uh, you were always a bookworm. Always, always. And I was never bored because I took a book with me wherever I went. I didn't care if I was on a line. I didn't care if something took a long time. I had a great book to read. No, but then, I mean, did you also have a social life? You know, probably not as much as I probably should have. Um, and I just, I, I just preferred my did, books, my money. Were, were you anywhere near the sea, near near Coney Island? Uh, where were you in the Bronx? Anywhere near water? Well, Coney Island's Brooklyn, and I remember going there. Ah, one Brooklyn. Day. Okay. Yeah, that's no, no, but that's not. It's not how we get on a subway. My dearest, uh, my, my cousin Billy, I was so close to. He was the one who uh, he lived in Yonkers. Well, he started out in the Bronx, and his family moved to Yonkers, and our favorite thing to do was he would set up Broadway shows for us. And the two of us, we were little kids. I cannot believe now our parents let us do this. We would take the subway or the bus from the Bronx to Manhattan and just go to a Wednesday matinee together. Okay, and so I, I was confused because I'm Canadian. The Bronx, I know where the Bronx is. It's like the end of Man Manhattan. Yeah. You the can north part of Manhattan mm -hmm. where nobody rich lives, that's the Bronx. Well, yeah, we have the, you have the Yankees there. That's that's one of our. We have the Bronx Zoo. We yeah. 
Arboretum. It was just a plain little neighborhood, you know. So, so you're like really rosy. You used to go uh, to hear uh, Old Maid Broadway. Loved going to Broadway, and I, and I give all the credit to Billy. He would set up the things, <laughs> and we would and we would study the music. We would listen, and you know, later in life, I became my my day job was I was a theater critic. I'm calling it a day job. It was like a night job and a weekend job. Yeah, you and actually I, became a reporter. That's amazing. Yes, for many. So, what musicals do you remember? Oh, what well, our very first musical we saw together was Man of La Mancha, and it remained Billy's favorite. And even when I was out here in Dallas, he flew out. He was living in New Jersey at the time. He flew out just to see Man of La Mancha at a small, non-professional theater that did a very good job. And he just enjoyed it, and he knew every word of it. Yeah, because we used to study these things together. Yes. Um, oh, we love that. Oh, what, are, what, what are the famous songs from Man of La Mancha? Oh, to dream the impossible dream to you know no, don't stop don't stop to each is dulcinea that he alone can name it's just such wonderful classic uh of the heart and of the spirit you know to reach the impossible star. i'm, I'm getting goosebumps oh yeah and you know, it's in, it was actually kind of almost about us. You know, Billy shared my love of books. He was always, I remember one Hanukkah, I opened up a box from Billy and it was filled with all of the books from the Scholastic Book Club. He'd ordered every book that had come to, on the school order for me. And I opened it, it was like the best, I still said it was the best present I ever received. I was just, and I read every book in that box. But, wow. um, but did you think when you were growing up that this love of children's books would someday become your great passion. You know, I think it was a dream that I did not know how to realize. And I just thought, how do you become a children's book writer? I didn't know. And I went to school, I got a master's in journalism so I could learn how to write for a living and be paid to write. And what led me into writing the children's book was actually a wonderful accident. Um, it, it was just serendipity. It was like one of these meant to be things I had written an article about a high school that had done a play about a deaf baseball player named William Hoy. Okay, was, hold on here, hold on here. People aren't catching up to us. Okay. So I know, I know that you became a newspaper writer in Dallas. Yes, yes. But not everybody knows that. So you became a, a theater critic? I became a theater critic in first in San Diego for the Los Angeles Times and then later in Dallas for the Dallas Morning News. For many this guy years. Billy changed your life. You should give him royalties or something. Oh, you know what? My Henrietta book is dedicated to Billy who taught me to dream the impossible dream. No, Billy was like a brother to me. Wow. And, um, is, he, is he listening to us now? I am going to cry because we lost Billy last year. We lost, it was just unexpected and we lost him. I still had, you know, I'm still his dear, dear wife, Robin, who was my junior high school friend. He married my junior high school friend um, and two amazing boys, Aaron and Zachary. But no, we lost Billy unexpectedly. So this, this conversation will be dedicated to his uh, memory. Thank you so much. William Bickell, and I always called him Billy. And, and it's my um, my mom's your site today, so. Oh, 10, 10 years today. May her memory be for a blessing. Thank you. So, um, yeah, and mom was a kindergarten teacher. 
My mother was a teacher and yes, oh, it's funny you mentioned kindergarten, you write for kindergarten. My mother was a teacher and I think her favorite grade to teach was second grade. So that, there you have it. There you have it. Following in our mother's- I was, I, I was my mom's kindergarten helper. Oh. Whenever I would come visit Canada, like from Israel, and um, look what happened to me. It's a beautiful anyway. <laughs> this show is all about you, Nancy. So, um, so you became a, a newspaper a, a critic, right? And then William Hoy. Don't let me stop you now. So, so a high school was doing a story, a play, a, a new play about a deaf baseball player who was born when Abraham Lincoln was born. And the game was new and he wanted to play baseball. And they said, William, how can you play? You're deaf. You can't hear the umpire's calls. So he teaches him his language, sign language. Safe and out is American sign language. We have signs in baseball. You know, everybody was yelling then. There were no, you know, this is the 1800s. There's no, you know, there's no amplification, anything like that. So I didn't, I didn't know that. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? So I I thought that was amazing. That's from from sign. American sign language. You look out. Yeah, in American sign language, the full sign is like you put in your hand and you go like this. But so we just do it. We shortened it, right? So people shorten things in uh, in American and in baseball. So um, so yeah. So William Hoy. So what happened was I wrote an article and I get a thank you email from a man in in Ohio. And I go and I write back, you're welcome. But why is someone in Ohio interested in a play in a high school in Garland, Texas? <laughs> and it turns out Steve is deaf. He has everything William Hoy on Google Alerts. His life's passion, which he has pursued for decades, is to get William Hoy in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And we start up this correspondence. And I said, you're right, Steve, he should be in the Hall of Fame. What about if I write a children's book? And we'll start a letter writing campaign. The children will say, put him in the Hall of Fame. We'll get him in there. He says, great. I said, will you help me, Steve? Because he knows everything about William Hoy. He's friends with the Hoy family. And so I said, yeah, I'll write this book. And there was only one little problem with my great promise was that I'd never written one before. And I had no clue how to write one. And I thought, oh, easy. They're like 800 words. I'll write it in an afternoon. So I write it in the afternoon. Yeah, you're laughing. You're laughing because you're a writer. And I send it off and they get a rejection. And I went, oh, oops. Well, I don't know why I'm getting rejection. I'm a professional writer. So I'll take another afternoon, two afternoons. I send it off. Rejection. And it, then it starts like a, a blizzard of writing rejections and, blind, and writing. And I don't know how it takes me years to realize I need to take classes. I need to be in critique groups. Um, I need to learn the craft of children's book writing. It's not a newspaper article. It's just like, it took so long for that light bulb to come on. I can't oh, but Nancy, even though th this is very powerful for our listeners, right? Yes. That, I mean, most people come to children's book writing uh, and they aren't writers. You know, they, they don't have a master's degree in journalism. They don't have a, you know, they're microbiologists, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't know diddly. Yeah. Um, so this is powerful. You're saying that you are, were a professional reporter an important uh, newspaper and um and you got rejected oh of course well and actually the, the most helpful rejection was the one that said this is very interesting it reads like a newspaper article <laughs> <laughs> okay now i get what my problem is so that was and so i took the classes so i made my promise in 2003 and this book and 
this book finally came out in 2016. This was my first book. So but 13 years? 13 years. And so 13 years, Kainai Nahara, as the Jews say. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think to me, this tells me two things. One, I keep my promises. Yeah. Two, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> I would not give up. And I have to say to what people say, are you still working on that book? Is you really think that's going to happen? And I just, and so many of my books since are about people who refuse to give up. I am Nancy, so yeah, did, did you, what, One second. Oh, one second. Uh, so you, you did this book through an agent? I found my agent through this book because there was an agent who had opened up for clients and but again, this was not until 2013. So this was like 10 years into my journey with this book. And she had opened up to clients and I sent uh, Karen um, a, the manuscript by email. And within an hour, she got back to me and said she wanted to send it out. So it was like, okay, I guess we're, you know, now we're humming. Is she still so, your agent? She is still my agent. She has sold 10 books for me. Yeah. No, we have a great, uh, great relationship. I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumpless. So, <laughs> so, so for people who out there who don't know, okay, uh, becoming a children's book writer is daunting. There's no bachelor's degree. Um, it's very hard to figure out what you need to do and what you're missing, basically. Uh, and you never know what you're missing until somebody, some agent takes you on, and it can take ten or thirteen years. Uh, but you are one of the, let's say, five or 10,000 writers that end up with agents, with book deals, with traditional publishers. And, and people should know that this is an incredible, incredible story. And so I'm honored to have you on the show. Oh, you're uh, so kind. And, and um, so, no, I'm just very lucky. Um, so, um, I, but, you know, Half of the reason that I, I, I invited you was because I wanted to get to know you. You're such a prominent writer. But the other half is, you know, I have a piano here. I'm a musician. And, um, and I've just written the manuscript on Carol King. I love Carol King. Big fan. You want to critique it? I'll, I'll read it. I, I'm a big fan. Oh, and I, you're talking about musicals. Did you see the movie, the, the musical Beautiful that was based on I saw on some of it. I'm waiting for the corona to pass so I can go to a show. Oh, it's wonderful. It's really I, I, I heard. I saw some of it. Um, so, um, but this is about your amazing book. When did it come out? Well, actually, this book came out in 2018. Um, and that was the 100th anniversary of when he first wrote God Bless America, even though um, the world didn't know about it till uh, 1938. He had written the first version in 1918. He cut it from his own show. <laughs> Can you imagine cutting God Bless America from a show? But um, he, he must have had his reasons. He had his reasons. It, um, yeah. So this show um, is about you. But a few words about Israel Balin, who became Irving Berlin, whose mother tongue was Yiddish. And, uh, and you have this incredible book. And... Can you just open a double spread so people can see the amazing artwork? The artwork is by James Ray Sanchez. And it was just my privilege to work with him. Um, I think he did such a wonderful job. Here, here is Irving um, on the ship coming to America and, and how he, 
shows you the music that was in Irving's heart, how he, he heard in his heart the statue welcoming him. And to him, he processed the whole word, world through sound, through music. And this is the other thing James Ray Sanchez did. You see how it all sorts out sort of dark and it's gonna lighten up. Um, and how Irving is always wearing this red scarf and we always have an interesting conversation with the kids. What is that red scarf? Nancy, Nancy, go back, uh, please, yes. one page. Yes. Okay, this is such a brilliant double spread. It, it's like, um, like you know, a, a, a very poor guy flees from pogroms with his family and his dad dies and he has to support his brothers and sisters. Uh, and he sings on sidewalks and in cafes. Uh, and this is so beautiful. And also in your writing, because it's all like tenement, tenement, tenement. And then on the right page, there's this bathing of light, you know? So like he's, he's, in, a, he's in some kind of terrible predicament, but somewhere there's light, bright light. Beautiful. I, I love I that observation. Thank you. Yeah. Keep going. It's, it's a beautiful book. It I'm going to buy it when I get to New York. Oh, thank you so much. And you see how this red scarf kind of, it's behind him like a train. It's almost like he's a king, you know? And I think, you know, I sometimes think about that. Um, I don't know if they, sometimes the, the, the rabbis do that on Friday on the Shabbat ceremonies, like each child, I mean, like, is like a king and a, and a queen and, and he has to find his kingdom in a way which becomes a kingdom of music but you know they don't know i mean he just looks like an urchin here doesn't he but we know, we what, know what was your what was your motivation uh because you know there's other great jewish songwriters uh why did you pick irving berlin that's an excellent question um, you know, I grew up with the music of Irving Berlin. Um, my mother used to sing God Bless America like, every morning. And it just, I felt his love for his adopted country for that, you know, th that became his own and the immigrant experience. And also at the time that I wrote it, you have to remember, you always write things like a couple of years before they actually come out um, because it takes time. There was a lot of, uh, attacks against immigrants um, in America. And I wanted to remind children of the great gifts that immigrants bring to this country. And there was so many beautiful things about his story. And we can go into this uh, in greater depth because it's a little complicated how he used the notes from the prayers. So from his heart, from his father, the cantor, how he used some of those notes and melodies in his songs merging where he came from to where he was, which is this amazing thing that immigrants do and create something that never was before. The other thing that's always very important to me in my books is not only does the person I'm writing about make his or her dream come true, but makes the world a better place, heals the world in some way, tikkun olam. And as you find out from the end of the book, I focus on this song, God Bless America, because of what he did with it which is one of the most famous songs in America, millions of dollars in royalties, and he gave it all away out of the love of his country, and he gave it to the children. So that's, that's what got my heart, and that's why I wanted everyone to know that. And there are other, a couple of other 
biographies of Irving Berlin, but to me, that was one of the most important parts of his story. The little boy who wanted, who was grateful for being given a home and wanted to thank the children of his new home and gave the gift that only he could give, which was the songs that he could write. We each give gifts in our own way. We each have different gifts. We have to find our gifts, find our voice. He found his voice through music. Okay, so, um, you know, I, it, it's funny, but Irving Berlin has been on this show several times, mm. wearing one hat or another. Um, and I was blown away when I found out that you had written this uh, children's book. and. Um, other than God Bless America, uh, which is not his best song, it's his best patriotic song. <clears throat> um, what other songs of his do you like? Oh my goodness, he wrote 1,400 songs so we could be here all day. Oh, just <laughs> yeah. pick three. Oh, pick three. Um, blue skies shining on me, nothing but blue skies do I see. And he wrote that for his daughter. You know, he just like, you think about all the sorrow. He never had saw life. the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Exactly. And he was through so much, but he always had this optimism. And how, how do I love you? You know, how high, um, how deep is the ocean? How high is the sky? Yeah. I mean, he had a way of um, putting things um, to capture what was cheek to cheek. I must have, you know. Um... I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off okay i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, add one song yes uh let's uh, face the music and dance oh yes let's face the music and dance. before the fiddlers have fled mm, isn't that a beautiful line yeah cheek to cheek well it was, I was cheek is great yeah um so while we're reminiscing here uh <laughs> Uh, the one thing that I really wanted to know is uh, why it seems to me, I might be wrong, that you prefer to write nonfiction? Well, and it, mm -hmm. to answer that, I think I actually love all kinds of writing. I have written nonfiction, and I think there were two reasons. One, this is how I started. And then once I wrote this book, I, I was thinking there have to be a lot of other people out there that the kids don't know about who deserve their stories told, people who have not only made their dreams come true, but made the world a better place. And I just, those kind of people that just kept coming into my head and into my heart. And I wanted to tell their stories. I want to be, I, I almost, I feel like they're advocates. I want everyone to know about Manji and, and, and 
Irving and the kids don't know who Irving is. You know who Irving is. I cannot tell you before I wrote this, I'd go into the schools after I presented maybe William Foy and I'd sing God bless America. And I say, do you know who wrote this? And they had no clue. They all knew the song. They didn't know the songwriter. They didn't know his story. They didn't know he was an immigrant. So I kind of look for the ones they don't know. Now I've have 10 out and I start to think about other kinds of stories I might want to write. But I think the other part of it is to answer your question is my mother loves nonfiction. She loves these true stories. So I may eventually veer out. I'm not saying that I won't ever, but I, I have to say part of that was that mission that I, that I found that I discovered when I wrote this and had so much satisfaction from spreading the word of this, this real person who did great things that the kids didn't know about. And also my mother loves, loves, loves these books. She's got multiple copies of each one. And it's a good thing she's not my bookseller because she would not part with any of them. You would not be able to buy your, my books for any price from my mother. She's got them stacked up like a hoarder. And you say, mom, you've got six copies of this. She says, I'm not parting with any of them. I don't know why you need six copies of one book. I don't even have six copies of each book. Let, let's, say hello, let's say hello to your mom. Oh, great. My mother's name is Flora Chernin. And sometimes I call her Flora Adorable. And uh, she's, she's wonderful. She was a teacher. She changed so many lives and loved being a teacher. Hi, Flora Adorable. <laughs> You've done really well with Nancy. She raised four children and we all adore her and um, and we all do in our own way. We try to make the world better. That's wonderful. And my That's father was no longer with us. They were a team. My father, Douglas Churney. What did, what did the, your father, Douglas, do? Well, he, he was he was in business all his life. But I think the business is what he did to earn a living. And what he did with his life was always helping other people. Um, I mean, he was always there with my mother setting up her boards. He was always there with us, you know, taking us wherever we needed to go. We would find out he was always around the neighborhood, leaving baskets of food. And we would find out afterwards, oh, Dougie came by and he's the one who fixed all my lights and he painted this and he he would just do things without being asked, you know, without needing thanks. If he just needed somebody who needed help, he was there to help. That's in, in, Yid in Yiddish we say a neshome, a git neshome. That's what he was, absolutely. We have to. I think what we have to do is I have to, like maybe once a month we have to have a, a Yiddish lesson on you've got mail. Great idea. I would hear it, but I never learned to speak it. You know, my yeah, I need I need to interview somebody who actually knows Yiddish. Uh, okay, but let, and let's talk about your your books to be. You have two books that are on the way. Yes, I am so proud of these two books. Um, one, I just, I don't have the book because it's not even at the printer yet. So I copied this. Um, Dear Mr. Dickens is the little known story of Eliza Davis, who lived, a Jewish woman who lived when Charles Dickens was writing. She loved Charles Dickens and she loved how he was very charitable. But then when she read Oliver Twist and the character of Fagin, um, who was a horrible character. And Dickens referred to him as the Jew, the Jew, the Jew. It hurt her so much. And she wrote to him to object. She says, you know, there's already anti-Semitism in England. And there was great anti-Semitism in England, you know, clearly up until the 1800s, through the 1800s. Um, I have, Nancy, I have bad news for you. It's still there. 
I know, but but really bad in terms of there were jobs you couldn't have, there were places you couldn't live. Um, there were all sorts of laws against Jewish people. You couldn't serve in parliament. You couldn't uh, be in the professions. There were so many rules. You know, it's beyond not being liked or having people say bad they, 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 they don't burn synagogues with Jews in them anymore, is what you're saying. Well, no, no. And the thing is also England... But, but they did. They did. They did. There were a lot of things. Um, there were some terrible things in the British past terrible things. And that's in my back matter. So she writes to him and at first he's a little offended, but the, the correspondence goes on and he sees her point. And this is a true story. And this is the reason why he changed his attitude and the way he wrote about Jews in his magazine and created the kindly character of Mr. Rhea and our mutual friend. So this is about the power of speaking up. It's a true story. And it was researched with Dickens scholars. And we even have a rare photograph of Eliza Davis in the background. You know, you know what I love about you, Nancy. What I love about you is that is that you use your reporter hat. Oh, and I saw this. Um, you know, it, it's not just writing a story about Irving Berlin. You actually spoke to the family, and you spoke to the archivists, and you spoke to a, a very famous person. I can't remember his name right now, uh, who's in charge of the uh, of the legacy. And oh, so you actually interviewed the people. Ted Chapin, yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. He was so helpful. I'm really grateful to him. And the family was very kind. And 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 so and 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 that's that's really incredible. That's so, very important to me. I, I do that. It's like when I write a book, I, I chase down everybody I can chase down. When I wrote a book about this painter, Laura Wheeler Waring. I chased her paintings down to the Smithsonian and talked to the archivist who put me in touch with her heirs. Um, I actually enjoy that. That's the detective part. Um, oh, but I do want to tell you about this other book. I'm so proud of this because this is someone who was very important in Israel. And so my next book coming out in October is about Henrietta Zoll. And all these years I wondered, why isn't there a book about this amazing, amazing woman who are the children? The adults know who she is. The children, especially in America, maybe in Israel they do. In Israel, I think they do, but in America they do not. And this is a true story of Henrietta Zoldt. Who, who, who's publishing these books about Jews? Um, well, uh, actually, I have uh, two publishers, and Henrietta Zoldt is being published by uh, Creston Books, which is distributed by Learner Books. My editor is Marissa Moss, who actually happens to be Jewish. And then, oh, this was funny because um, when I'm looking for the cover again of Dear Mr. Dickens is by Albert Whitman. And this is the funny part about Albert Whitman, um, which is not a Jewish publisher. My, my editor was Wendy McClure. So I just got a email from the marketing person um, at Albert Whitman. And she said she was about to send this out to educators. And she said, are you by any chance Jewish? Because they care about own voices. Own voices means- I was just gonna say. I know. So I said, yes, I am. <laughs> On both sides of my family for as far back as so, we know. So I, I have to, if I want to succeed, uh, I have to stop writing about frogs and porcupines and start writing right. about Jews, right? Or, well, or, Jew, or Jewish frogs. Jewish frogs and Jewish porcupines. <laughs> um, I think they give a little bit more leeway when it so, comes to So, so Nancy, um, before I ask you to sing a Beatles song, uh, 
I love One, the Beatles. Yeah, I know. We're getting there. Um, so what, it, like a lot of uh, writers are watching um, and some of them are successful, but, you know, 99.9% don't have agents, uh, don't have a traditionally book, tra books traditionally published. What's your best advice? Um, my best advice is to, is to, well, first of all, you need to write from your heart. The most important thing is you, obviously you want to get published, but the most important thing is to find your voice, find your subject, what you care about most passionately. And you're going to write not like anybody else. So, I mean, for instance, there are other Irving Berlin books. Mine is different from the other Irving Berlin books. It reflects where my heart is, where my head is, what I wanted to share. The other thing I learned was taking classes is very important and finding your community of writers. So, for instance, people who watch your show, Mel, and they're with they're talking with us, they're, they're hearing about the journey. Listen to other people's journeys, join your own group, your critique group, find a class. I was in a number of wonderful classes, um, uh, making picture book magic, children's book academy. Even now I stick with these groups like 12 by 12 and Kidlit 411. I've I've co-created groups like, oh, we mentioned about being Jewish. I co-founded and I'm part of the Book Michiganists. The Book Michiganists. Yeah, what is that? It like, it like, am I a Michiganist? Can I be a Michiganist? It's only, it's only, you need a, you need a letter from your psychiatrist? What? <laughs> well, what we did was we felt we created with Michiganists. So we, we created a group of 18 Jewish women who write Kidlet and we pretty much support each other. And now we also uh, provide contests and resources for the community our books come only only jewish women what about men that are connected to their female side well i mean i think we serve the whole community but i think when you create a group it has to be a manageable size so most of these groups that i'm in are kind of a manageable size like i'm a nonfiction ninja there's about 10 of us nancy um, i'm going to create my own group okay that i think I, that, I think that i just did and you're in it Oh, I love it. I love it. I love being in it. Thank you. And in my group, in my group, it's okay if you're Jewish and it's fine if you're not Jewish. Okay. And if you're a guy or a woman, that's fine too. I'm going to be completely everything neutral here. Egalitarian. I love it. That's it. We, we need that. But I, you just have to find your people. And so I'm in a, actually a number of different groups where I connect with people in different ways. Um, I mean, I'm in other groups that are not Jewish, that are just, well, I'm the only Jewish person, and that's fine too. Um, but you have to find your group where you can share, where you can support each other, because writing is a solitary thing. When you sit down there and you write your story, it's solitary. But you need to have that. You can't be in an echo chamber. You need to have feedback from other people who share your mission and your journey. You support them. They support you. And that becomes a microcosm of what you want in the larger world, because in the larger world, then your books are out there and you're supporting other people with your stories. And you will also continue to read and take in because you want to be supported by their stories. So you create this small version of what you're trying to have in the larger world. That's incredible. Great advice. So uh, and now the Beatles. Oh, I love the we, Beatles. We always end our program with the Beatles. What's your favorite Beatles song, dear? Oh, my goodness. That is so hard. You ask the hardest questions. I love um, Here Comes the Sun. It's, so, it's, it's short, but it's so optimistic. This is, 
very often, one said, hold on, hold on. I'm going to get you to sing it in a second. Okay. A, lo a lot of writers choose this song. Here Comes the Sun? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just so optimistic because it's sometimes we have dark, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the darkness and the light in um, in Irving Berlin. I think that's what we all work towards. We go from the darkness to the light. It's almost like birth. We go from the darkness to the light and we do that all our lives. We're trying to get more insight, more light, more hope. And I think that's one of the reasons that song appeals to us because that's the direction we're all trying to go. Go for it, Nancy. Oh, you're not expecting me to sing it, are you? I sure <laughs> am. But I don't know all the words. Little darling, da 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 da, here since you've been here. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. And I say, it's all right. Nancy, is there anything that I haven't asked you? Um, I just want to say that uh, it's such a, it's such so great to be sharing from Texas to Tel Aviv. And um, I have family there in Israel. I hope that when the pandemic is Hi, over, family. thank you. I would love to come and, and visit Israel. And um, again, I've been there before and I'd love to come again. Um, I hope you, you all feel I did right by Henrietta Zold. Uh, she's so dear to my heart, strong woman. I'm so proud Irving Berlin is in the library uh, in Israel, uh, the National Incredible. Library. I know I'm so I'm so proud. I tell you, it means so much to me, and uh, it's just such a joy to share. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having this show, where we you, we talk about writing and music and uh, sharing, and uh, it's just such a joy. Nancy, the show has been good to me. You know, um, I'm actually in Ramat Gan, which is right near Tel Aviv. Um, the um, part of this pandemic is being far away from people you love and mm -hmm. people you want to meet and people you love to get to know and people you want to share with. So uh, this has enabled me, um, you know, we've had over a hundred guests, uh, maybe 20 are writers, illustrators and editors, but we've had scientists and the poets and um, a lot of musicians. And, uh, but it seems that as time goes by, I'm interviewing more and more writers because that is what I'm doing these days. I'm hoping that a little of your pixie dust wears, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, it's, so the pixie dust falls on you? Just whatever, there's a word. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm persevering, you know. That's the most and, important thing. Don't give up. Don't give up. And it's actually probably the theme of more of my books than anything else. Um, from, from Irving Berlin to Henrietta Zold, this is a woman who, how many times did she hear no and this can't be done and this has never happened and women don't do this? And she just never gave up and that's why she did great things. It's the people who never give up who accomplish things. And it's also, it's not, oh, I tell this to the kids also, you don't fail until you give up. As long as you're, you keep trying, you're still on the journey. Oh, that's so beautiful. As long as you're trying, you're on the journey. It's just a question of how long the journey is. 
you know, whether it's 13 years for William Hoy or 22 years for Manji to make a hole through a mountain, whatever it is, it can be a lifetime. But as long, it's just a question of how long the journey is. Just don't give up. Once you give up, that's the only time you fail. I'm writing this down. It's beautiful. Well, they, and I would also like to say that for any educators or teachers or parents out there who are listening to this, if you go to my website, nancychernan.com, all of the books come with free teacher's guides, resources. Yeah, that's wonderful. Is that your initiative? That I've created that. Yes. Well, I've sometimes I've worked with um, with my editors, like my editor for Irving Berlin, Marissa Moss, created the teacher's guide. Um, in other cases, I've commissioned teacher's guides, but I make sure there's always a teacher's guide. And there are always resources that you see, archival photos, that you see articles. That yeah, that, 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 that's, that's wonderful. Yes. Uh, so, so underneath, underneath the um, the Facebook here. Yes. Please uh, write the uh, the link where people can uh, can have a look at your uh, at your website, and I will now absolutely check it out uh, the, to see what is the uh, the material that you provide together with Irving Berlin, who's one of my favorite composers of all time. Oh, so Nancy. Nancy yes. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Mel. Thank and, you. And, and I hope to see you. Um, we're having a meetup soon. That would be, um, I'm looking forward to that, Mel. Thank you so Wonderful. much for writing. I look forward to seeing your Carol King book. I love well, I mean, I, it's just a manuscript now. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have to pitch it and then probably revise it for 13 years. Oy vey. No, I, th I think you're already like, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're a lot closer to that. <laughs> hey, take care, dear. It was great seeing you. Bye, Mel. Bye-bye.